Can ST-Micro's time-of-flight sensors provide an all-in-one system for an easy, cost-effective, and small footprint people-counting application? Join me, Todd Baker, as I explore how applications using time-of-flight are rapidly growing in utilization and offer an endless variety of uses across many industries. So, you know, this weekend, I, my son had a basketball tournament, and obviously we're all trying to stay safe and, and, and keep, make sure we got our masks on and their reduced capacity in the, the arenas and everything. And, you know, as we're going in there, you're standing in line, you're six feet from everybody, uh, and you're, you're just standing in line, and, and you get up, and they're about ready to scan your forehead, and you're just thinking to yourself, okay, this is it. This is how I find out that I have the bug. Um, and there's that, that kind of part of you that, that I think is worrying all of us. And that complexity that's kind of been added into our lives right now, um, it's still very manual. Uh, but I've got to believe there are ways in different technologies and areas that uh, electrical engineers are going to solve and make it a little bit more automated for all of us. Um, and, and today I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, I'm Todd Baker, Corporate Vice President of Engineering at Future Electronics, uh, based in Austin, Texas. Uh, today I'm talking to John Gavan of ST Micro, FAE in uh, Santa Clara, California. John, thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate the time. It's my pleasure. Glad to do it. So, so talk to me a little bit, John. So tell me a little bit about your background in uh, with ST, time of flight sensors, and just an overall engineering design. Oh, well, basically I'm old. I've been working with ST parts for years and years and years, and I liked them so much, I finally got a job at ST. And that went on <laughs> for quite a while. And I ended up in the imaging group, and we started building these time of flight sensors, and it's been the most fun of my life. Yeah, yeah. So a fairly new technology as far as sensors go. They haven't been around that many years so far. So, um, you know, so, so talk to me a little bit about time of flight sensors. How do they work? What's the basic technology and idea behind them? Well, the object is to shoot out a little squirt of light, have that light bounce off a target, your cheek, your body, whatever. And when the light comes back, we stop the stopwatch. Knowing that time, we can divide by two and multiply by the speed of light and you get a distance. So instead of knowing that uh, a person is somewhere out there, you can know that that person is somewhere out there at exactly so many millimeters. Oh, very nice. And so what kind of range are we looking at typically on a time of flight sensor? Oh, we've got several devices. One goes to about half a meter. One goes up to four meters. And okay. there's a couple in between. Perfect. And what's the minimum on them as well? Oh, well, they're they're... Some of them go down to one or two centimeters, but the problem with the really, really short distance is light bounces six or seven times. And so that tends to give you the wrong number. So Okay, so you're kind of missing there. Okay. More than an inch or two is about right. Okay, okay. Um, and then, so as far as precision goes, I mean, a lot of applications you need to be down to the millimeter. What, what kind of precision can you get out of an ST time of flight sensor? In a very inexpensive processor, you're not going to be able to resolve too much. Um, light travels at 6.7 uh, picoseconds per millimeter and nothing will go that fast. So we end yeah. up with a little statistical process that will give you a, an accuracy of uh, plus or minus 3% is a good way to do it. So okay. a little more at short distances, a little less at the long distances, but that's a rough idea. Okay. And then, so if, if I'm a design engineer and I'm starting a new design and I know I need the time of flight sensor, I've got my microcontroller picked out and everything. Um, what is, is all of the algorithm existing in the time of flight sensor itself? Is that an algorithm I need to run on my MCU to do the calculations or how does that work in most, uh, most of the systems that you've worked on? Of course, the answer is both. 
Most of the yeah. systems all um, done on the sensor and you get the answer. If you buy some of our more expensive ones and our newer ones, the raw data is sent to your PC for more advanced uh, uh, manipulation. And those are a little bit uh, better answers, but they take a little more work. In the end, though, it's just an I2C interface and we'll give you the code. So it's pretty easy to do. I know when I was an intern in Amarillo, Texas, working on uh, robotic systems inside of a fiberglass plant um, many years ago. Um, I think it was before there were really a lot of time of flight options uh, back then. Uh, but we were we had you know an enormous robot that was on tracks on the ceiling that would go up and down the uh, the, the fiberglass line, taking 60 pound offs off these machines. Um, and you know, the thing was the size of a, really a Volkswagen beetle could absolutely take your, uh, take your head off, uh, could, you know, completely knock you out. It was like a linebacker coming down the line. Uh, but we used to use ultrasonic sensors to make sure that there wasn't a worker or an engineering intern, uh, in the way of these things. Um, and, and so I know a lot of applications look at ultrasonic sensors and now time of flights out there. What do you see as the advantage of time of flight over something like an ultrasonic? And, and you know, what other types of technologies out there and applications do you think that time of flight is absolutely the best in? Well, the, the advantage of time of flight is light goes a million times faster than sound. So in theory, you could get an answer much, much quicker. Um, because we use a slightly statistical process, it not as fast as the absolute speed of light, but it's pretty darn quick. The other thing right. is light, the light goes out in a very specific pattern. The light goes out in a, with a vertical cavity surface emitting laser. And so it goes out in a flash of light that's pretty close to 25 degrees. So if we get an answer back, we know what is in front of the sensor in exactly 25 degrees. Um, yeah. Passive IR and, and, and uh, ultrasonic are the other two technologies, but both those technologies have a very, very wide field of view. So you don't know if the sound is coming from the right, the left, and front, you don't know the answer. And you get a very precise answer. Now one could implement full-on radar. The trouble is full-on radar is very expensive. Uh, yeah. You can do time of flight for a couple of bucks and uh, no other circuitry needed. You do need to put it behind a little piece of glass, but that's all you need. So in terms of accuracy versus uh, ease of implementation, time of flight really can't be beat. Yeah, no, no question. No question. We, we've seen and worked with a lot of engineers doing radar. And, then, and obviously, that's that's just cost prohibitive for the vast majority of applications. Um, and even in those applications that absolutely must have a radar, that's certainly um, an insanely complex design um, where we found that very few engineers can even get through it. Um, and, and, and I think the other thing that we've seen with with ultrasonics that I think time of flight really solves is just from a cost effectiveness standpoint. Um, you know, the time of much, much less experience, expensive than what we've seen for a lot of ultrasonics out there. Um, so, you know, some, some great advantages on that that I think are great. What about downsides? Is there any downside really uh, to time of flight? Any places or applications where it's got a little bit of difficulty or, or places where maybe flip side of that question where it's best suited? Well, it's an indoor sensor. Um, what happens is we use a very, very tiny flash of 940 nanometer light. Well, the sun is a really big flash of 940 nanometer light, and it yeah. becomes a signal-to-noise ratio problem. And we, uh, a sensor that'll go four meters indoors can only go one, maybe a little less outdoors. So sunlight is a problem. That's why 95% of our market is in the cell phone auto, cell phone camera autofocus. But outdoors, 
the normal autofocus algorithm works, indoors time of flight works better. So by sharing the application, it's almost perfect. Right, right. Perfect. So I know you've developed kind of a platform with ST's time of flight sensors um, and an application to basically detect people movement and people coming in and out of facilities. I know, you know, our, our, our headquarters of Future Electronics are in Montreal. Um, we've got a, normally about a thousand people in our building, um, you know, at any given day, lots of conference rooms, lots of offices, cafeteria, um, audience, uh, you know, a whole auditorium. Uh, being able to track where people are, what what rooms are, are populated, that would be a huge thing for us. Um, you know, right now we're in a, a very weird situation where we've been closed for the last three months. We're just opening up literally this week. Um, I think, you know, the building that normally has a thousand people has, I think, 90 today. Um, but I, I think a lot of businesses are in that same situation where they've got to figure out, okay, I'm, I want to bring my staff back in. I want to start getting uh, everything back to some form of normalcy. I need to track my people. Uh, you know, how does your solution work? And, and talk to me a little bit about what you guys do. Well, if you put the time of flight sensor right above a door jam, you could see that a mass of photons went in or out. And the problem is you want to know the direction so you can count the number of people. So one of our sensors, the VL53L1, you have the ability to divide the field of view up into two, and you can take a range on the left side or the inside and one on the outside. And by ping-ponging back before, as the person walks through, you can see them go into one zone and then perhaps into both zones and then come out the other zone and you add one. If they go the other direction, you subtract one. And it seems to work pretty good. We wrote a video on the subject, uh, did a video on the subject and uh, was rather well received. So let's take a look at that video really quickly. Okay, so here's the video that you guys have created uh, for the uh, the new platform uh, to be able to do people counting with the time of flight sensors. So talk to me a little bit about this. Well, that system right there is our evaluation kit, the one that says out and in, and it's got a great big battery, which you don't really need, but down in the bottom is the sensor right there at the top of the door jam. Oh, and uh, we've connected that um, to the system. And as the person walks in or out, we've programmed it to change the, um, the LED screen. See how small that sensor is? It's really yeah. tiny and it's pretty neat. That's Incredible. the evaluation kit satellite and that you get that for uh, included and it's a clever way. What this shows is the inner zone and the outer zone as the person walks through. And normally you're gonna get a range of seven or eight feet, whatever your door is. And as the person walks through, you're getting in a distance that's closer to three feet or four feet, depending on how tall the guy is. Watch what happens when he walks in. See, add one. Person walks by, they didn't cross both zones, so we didn't add one. There goes another person. And then of course, one of the problems is that two people come in really close together. That can be a bit of a trick. It's not very accurate. In the video, we separated them off and they, they show but uh, there goes a person, didn't fully cross into both zones, so we don't count him. And then as he brings a, a, a chair in, we only count him as, a, as one. And because the, do the door does not go into the outer zone, we don't count it either. And as the person walks by, again, didn't cross in both zones. And later we'll cancel the meeting because all our meetings always get canceled about the time they right. all show up. And out everybody goes. Right. Okay. Okay. And so at this point, it's tracking everybody out down to two, one. And notice the chair didn't count because that's one lump of photons. And the good gotcha. news is 
you don't see the chair. But if two people to hold hands walking through, unfortunately, we'd only count them as one. So, so that's really cool. So, I mean, uh, as far as the design went and exactly how you guys did, how does the algorithm for that work exactly? I mean, we kind of walked through it. So it's basically just looking at photons across the two sensors and just saying, okay, I've got photons on this side. I've got photons on this side. So I'm going to go ahead and add one and, and then the same way as they go the other direction. Right. And you could do it with two sensors, but because of the uh, unique nature of that particular one I used, it has a lens on it. And the lens is, and the lens tells us that we can see from where the photons come. So we can divide the field of view into two halves. So instead of getting one twenty-seven degree field of view, we've got two uh, field of view, about half each. And so we can see as a person walks into one zone and then crosses to the other zone. So you can very cool. Okay, let's do all that for a two three dollar chip. Okay, very cool. And and I mean the, the applications for that are are myriad. I mean if you if you do something like that for just counting people walking through a doorway, um, you know I've got to believe there's a lot of other really cool applications and things that are coming uh, from engineers to kind of you know uh, be able to 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 use a low cost sensor um, and an application to make their device able to interact with the rest of the world around them, uh, which should be a very cool thing. What was the most challenging part of the design as you were kind of working on it? What were some of the things that, uh, that were really tough, um, just in general for this application or in working with the time of flight sensor itself? Well, it's the door. Um, we put that sensor on the outside and the door opened in. And because of that, the door didn't interfere. But the first real-life application that wanted to do with this, they wanted to put it in a hotel room. And, of course, all the hotel rooms, the door opens in. And that's still a challenge that we haven't quite figured out. But what we have decided is the sensor works just as well if you mount it on the wall looking sideways. Works the same way as a person walks back and forth. And it turns out that the, the thermostat for this particular hotel happened to be exactly there. And darn if some thermostats don't have power and communication. So we were able to solve that problem pretty cleverly. The other problem is uh, my facilities people really didn't like me messing with their doorway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, we always get in trouble with that, don't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, there's always something that, uh, that that always makes some trouble. I wonder if you could, you know, with that, you, you've obviously got an, an ST microcontroller, I'm sure, collecting the data and making the, the decision to count. Um, so I wonder if you couldn't add, you know, an additional sensor, maybe a Hall effect sensor or something like that on the door itself to detect the door is moved. And so maybe we remove that uh, as the door is moving. Um, uh, it'd be interesting to, it would be interesting to see if there are some ways of figuring that out with maybe some additional design. It's got to be something um, that you could do on there. Um, so, it, it, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. ST makes an accelerometer that you could put on the door. You could there even you put it on the door jam. And as the door opens, there'd be enough vibration to do that. Somebody thought a pressure sensor would work so that is the pressure pressure inside and outside of the room would change as the door. They tried that. There's no end to the number of possibilities. And you're right, Hall effect sensors are easy, but somebody decided that since the door was gonna open up underneath the time of flight, the time of flight, if there was a little flange on the door, the time of flight could see that flange and say, okay, the door is closed. Right, so okay. Many, okay. many possibilities. Very cool. Well, that's that's definitely interesting. That's half the fun of engineering is figuring out the problems and and the and the solutions. Um, and it seems like every solution brings another problem. But you know that that's what we enjoy to do. That's why we got into this, right? So, 
Um, so you talked about the reference design. So is that reference design fully available to customers or designers that want to look at it? If you go on to the uh, ST website and look up the VL53L1, eventually you'll get to the code. It's uh, it's on there, and it, you can download the code. You can implement it on that particular um, uh, evaluation kit, which is only a few dollars, and you can be installing and running exactly like like I showed like I show in the movie in, in well, a couple of minutes. Well, yeah. let's call it an hour or two. Beautiful. And I'm assuming since you've got the code, you could also take that same uh, application, modify the code to whatever you're trying to do for your personal application or whatever your design may be. Um, and, and a lot of that work might be done for you to make uh, uh, to make, you know, modification of the design. Um, pretty simple for for design engineers that are out there and might be inclined to do that. So oh, the SD, SD imaging group doesn't make we don't sell software. We sell Im we don't sell parts. And so we publish all the software. You just download it from the website and you too can be right up there researching with us. Beautiful. The, the easier to design, the better. If you're an engineer like me, that's that's always what I'm looking for is maximizing efficiency. Uh, so that's, that's certainly important. Um, so, you know, what do you guys think that your time of flight sensors, ST's time of flight sensors bring to the table that to make you know the design easier for engineers to work with? What are the things that you guys think you do particularly well that no one else out there is really doing? Well, instead of sending you a register map and making you read it and figure out what everything yeah. does, we give you the code. It runs on any C processor. Um, you implement the I squared C interface to whatever processor you've got. I'd like to think you'd buy an STM32, but no rules. And you could implement it in your design no matter what you happen to have. And that flexibility is probably the best uh, thing that ST brings to the table. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and and that that's huge. I think that's one of the differentiators out there today is, you know, making software available so you're not having to write your own code from scratch. Um, you know, I, I think things have come so far in the last 15 years um, or, 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 you know, or more, uh, making it so much easier for designers to use these products that are out there. So, you know, like I said at the beginning of our conversation, you know, I think there's a lot of technologies out there. There's a lot of cool things um, and applications that are going to be needed, um, you know, as the world is changing. What are some of the other areas that, uh, you know, sensor areas or technology areas that ST's in uh, that you think are really interesting and, and are going to help with applications for people tracking, for, um, you know, any kind of COVID monitoring, uh, for any kind of contract tracing, things along those lines? Anything that you're really excited about? Well, the time of flight sensor can be used to uh, turn on a red LED when you get too close to me. And we can set that up for six feet if that's what you want. We can use the same sensor in a very short distance mode so that when you put bring your finger and touch a button or come close to a button, you don't have to touch it. It would be a touchless button. You yeah. can do that. You could do, uh, there is wireless communication, there's near field communication, there are all sorts of processors and sensors you can do. Boy, the ST website is littered with that stuff and lots of people are coming up with ideas all the time. Uh, that's beautiful. I, I think the, the idea of, 
you know, touchless buttons um, and things along those lines is absolutely phenomenal. I think, you know, all of us want to interact a little bit less with all the things in, in, in our daily lives in many cases, just to, again, try and uh, protect our health and the health of our loved ones. Uh, so, you know, I think from that standpoint, that's just a really cool application. Would love to see that uh, that really take off. So that's very that's very cool. Well, John, this has been great. I, I really appreciate you taking the time and kind of walking me through the sensor portfolio and some of the applications that ST has done. Um, if you're looking for help with any of these applications, please feel free to contact Future Electronics. Uh, you can contact us at shapingthefuture at futureelectronics.com. Uh, we'll get back to you and we'd be happy to help you with any of your time of flight designs, any of your ST designs um, or anything else that you're working on. So, John, again, thank you so much for the time, sir. Have a wonderful day and we'll talk soon. You're welcome.